Welcome back. You are listening to the Handle Your Scandal podcast. I'm your host, Mara Watkins. Thanks for tuning in today. Um, How are you? <laughs> no, really, how are you? Take a moment and ask yourself that. And if you're feeling kind of eh, I recommend drinking some water. And if you're like me and have a caffeine dependency, get some caffeine. No, I'm kidding. Depending on what time you're listening, that might be a bad that might be a bad move. It's really real out here, y'all. Like, I think I legitimately need caffeine to function. And you know what? We all have our flaws. I could sit here and tell you I'm working on it, but I am not. I do not mind it. I love caffeine. Um, Right now, I'm actually on... It's weird because before the new year, I said I was going to stop drinking so much coffee and drink more matcha because I go through these little phases where I'm like obsessed with matcha and then I stop drinking it. So I was going to start drinking more matcha in the new year, but my mom gifted me an espresso machine for Christmas. So of course, naturally, I had to start drinking coffee. Well, not start drinking, keep drinking because I never stopped. And I won't stop, but I do want to start having more matcha sparingly. It's just, now I'm one of those people who loves the taste of coffee. Like even when it's 6 p.m., 7 p.m., sometimes I crave a coffee and I don't have any decaf, so I can't drink it and it makes me sad. But I just love coffee now. Um, Yeah, I don't know. That was random. But anyways, this week's episode is on imposter syndrome. I really honestly don't know if I've ever talked about this before on this podcast, but if not, today is the day I'm going into detail about it and even sharing a recent experience I had with it, how I dealt with it once it happened, and how I will deal with it once it happens again because it will happen again. That's just the nature of um, imposter syndrome, I feel. New levels, new devils. So... Before I tell my story about it, I'm going to share what it is, just in case anyone listening is like, imposter syndrome? What is that? Um, I wish I didn't know. So if you don't know, um, Oxford Languages on Google defines imposter syndrome as the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills. And what's so wild to me is that I've achieved a lot in this life, and I hope that doesn't come off braggy, but I would say that I have ever since undergrad, even high school even. But I would say I never dealt with imposter syndrome until I got to law school. It's actually, like I can trace it back to getting into law school, being in law school, doing different things in law school. I just always felt like, oh my goodness, I'm, I don't belong here. I'm going to be found out. (laughs) They're going to be like, girl, you're actually dumb as hell. And we are rescinding your acceptance. We do not care that you're already one year in. We don't care that you're two years in. We don't care that you're graduating in two weeks. Um, no, (laughs) Uh, the last one's a little bit, uh, exaggerated, but no, honestly, once I got into law school, imposter syndrome became a thing. Um, And I don't know if it's because getting into law school was the closest. Like, honestly, besides the bar exam, getting into law school was the thing I needed to do to be the closest to my 
lifelong dream of being an attorney. So maybe that was just the the switch that flipped. Um, maybe it's because I was one of maybe 10 black people in my entering class. If even 10, 10 might be generous. Um, I don't know. Um, black people only make up 5% of the legal profession. Um, so that's, you know, just maybe that was part of it. I don't know. But the point is, is that I didn't deal with it until I got to law school. And y'all, now that I, you know, finished law school, graduated, got my JD, took the bar exam, passed it, got sworn in as an attorney, um, work as a law clerk. Um, my imposter syndrome has skyrocketed. It has skyrocketed so much. Um, for those of you who don't know what a law clerk does, I'm a judicial law clerk. So what I do is I read the motions and other pleadings from each side, um, you know, in civil matters, that is plaintiff versus defendant. In criminal matters, that is state versus defendant. Um, and I read both of them, see what they're talking about, summarize it, uh, research the law to make sure they're, the law actually is what they're saying it is. And then I recommend what I think um on the law, like what I, what I would do if I was the judge. And sometimes my judge is like, yes, absolutely. You're right. And other times she's like, oh, um, actually no. Um, and then she tells me why, why not? And it's actually such a great learning experience as someone who's fresh out of law school. I've learned so much law in the last six, seven months, but in saying that, when I write those things, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, do I even know what I'm talking about? Do I actually know how to do legal research? What if I'm just saying the wrong thing? I don't know. Like, obviously, I know how to do legal research. Um, that's If you don't learn anything else in law school, you learn how to do that. So I don't know why this last season of life has just been me feeling unqualified for where I'm at. But it's rough. And I just share that because it's important to know what's going on in the story that I'm about to share because recently I had the worst bout of imposter syndrome. Um, it was really bad. So, you know, um, my job is a contract job. Um, my contract is from August of last year to August of this year. Um, it's a clerkship. It's meant to be, you know out of law school. It's a JD required job. Um, you learn so much. And then, you know, some people do it for a career, like there are career clerks. And then um, myself personally, I'm just going to do it for this year. And then, you know, go on to find my job that hopefully is my career. Um, but I say that because um, my boss always invites me to networking type things. And it's usually the same day that the event is happening. So just depending on the work day I had, I'm like, oh, no, I can't make it out. And it's been like a few times where I'm like, oh, no, I can't make it out. Um, recently, she invited me to another one. And again, I was like, oh, no, I can't make it out. And she straight up my boss, she keeps it real. She was like, well, you know, it's job hunting season and you're going to need a job after this one. So you need to start going to these networking events. Not saying you need to go to this one today, but you should start trying to go to them. And I was like, she right. <laughs> She's right. 
But at the same time, like, I hated the outfit that I wore to work. I felt so bloated. My shirt felt too small. My hair was just thrown back in a bun. Um, I was wearing a headband. Um, my nails were gross. Like, I just started super criticizing myself and what I didn't like about my appearance and why I shouldn't go to this event. Um, but then I was like, you know what, whatever. Um, I can fix my nails really quick. Um, I'm going to throw my hair is going to stay back in a bun. I hate this outfit, but it is what it is. I'm wearing a blazer. I'm just going to go make an appearance because she's right. I need to start networking because, you know, everyone around me is, you know, getting their post clerkship jobs and I need to figure it out, which, um, in retrospect, that's not fair to myself. It's not fair to myself that I'm comparing myself to people you know, fighting their post-clerkship, excuse me, post-clerkship jobs, I could talk. Um, but at the same time, you know, it is a timeline. My contract ends in August and these six months already flew by so quickly. So I know the next will fly by even more quickly and I do need a job, point blank, period. So finally, I talked myself into going. Um, the event started... I want to say half an hour after I was supposed to get off work, but then I ended up staying at work a little bit later because I had other things to do um, before I felt comfortable leaving for the day. Because, um, you know, just in the nature of the job, that's how things happen sometimes. I want to leave at five, but then if I need to finish something and it takes me till six, that's what I'm going to do. Um, there's been days where I'm there until eight. It really just depends on what I want to do for that day. And then if, you know, I have to stay till eight, one day to be able to leave early the next day or have a weekend where I don't have to look at anything work-related, then that's what I'm going to do. But the point is, I was running a little bit late. I text my boss. I'm asking her, you know, is this an event where I can't show up late? And she says, oh, no one's keeping track of who's coming and going. Just come anyways. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to go. But I text my friend, Jasmine. She's actually been on the show before. Uh, Actually, like, one of the first episodes might have been episode two I don't even remember but early on I text her because she's really good at this stuff like networking and talking to people she's like so good at it and I'm like oh um what do I talk to people about Uh, I haven't been to a networking event in so long you know COVID um let's just talk about it I feel like pre-COVID I was a social butterfly I was thriving talking to people I didn't even think twice about it I mean, I did think twice about it sometimes because, um, (laughs) surprising to a lot of people, I am a little bit shy at first, mainly just because I consider myself a little bit all over the place and I don't like people to see that right away. (laughs) So I'm a little bit shy when people first meet me because, um, I've always had this thing where I feel like I come off a little bit too much or too strong or too intense. So that kind of makes me shy because... I don't want people to be like, oh, damn, this girl is a lot. Um, But anyways, I'm texting her, whatever. I'm, you know, all up in my head about it. Um, And yeah, I feel like I went from a social butterfly to, you know, COVID keeping us in the house, um, keeping us not at events for an extended period of time to now I feel like a socially awkward caterpillar again. Um, I don't know. That's just how I picture myself at this moment in time when I'm trying to get ready to go to this networking event and I'm so worried about it and I still try to talk myself out of it but I told my mom I was gonna go and then when I said I wasn't gonna go anymore she was 
Yeah, my mom was not having that. <laughs> she was like, you just need to go. Um, get out of your head about it and just go. Which, um, telling me to get out of my head about something, if it was that easy. <laughs> Let me tell you, if it was that easy, right? Easier said than done. But anyways, I go to the event. And I think the main reason I was so nervous about it was because no one else I knew was going. Um, like I texted my friends and saw if any of them were going and they weren't. And then our extern, she had something to do for school. So she wasn't going to go. Like if she had agreed to go, I wouldn't even have second guessed it. But then I'm like, when did I become this person who needs another friend to go to go to something? You know, I was raised an only child. Um, I'm an only child on my mom's side. So it's not, you know, in the past, I've gone to things by myself without even, you know, fuck it. You can't miss out on things because you don't have anyone to go with. But for some reason, this just felt different. But anyways, I get to the event. Um, I go say hi to my boss because she's the only person I know know there. Um, she introduced me to someone. I talked to them. And while I'm talking to this person... Uh, getting to know them I also think in my head like okay if I can talk to three people um, and network with three people here I'll be proud of myself and I can go home which that's a tip I give to people who um, also get nervous at networking events because sometimes they feel so daunting and scary because you feel like you need to meet all the people talk to all the people learn about all their life stories when sometimes you can just go and make a little small goal like okay I'm gonna meet my goal for that event was I'm going to meet three new people. Um, you know, maybe one day I have a lower capacity. I'm like, I just need to meet one new person. That is still a feat in networking because that one person could be the person who gets you to, you know, you either get a strong relationship with them. That could be like mentor mentee, or you can learn something from them just by talking to them. Or maybe, you have a conversation about your interests and then um, your interests are what you want to do. And when an opportunity comes up, for some reason, they think of your name because you had that conversation. So one person, like having a substantial conversation with one person at a networking event is still a pretty big deal and can shift your life's trajectory. So don't, you know, try to make yourself feel bad if all you can muster up at a networking event is having a solid conversation with one person. But anyways, I finished talking to this person and then I go talk to a few more people and, you know, I'm just doing the networking thing, but I still feel really uncomfortable. Like, mind you, this whole time I am so uncomfortable. I feel so, well, one, my outfit, I'm like super hyper focused on my outfit and how bloated I feel. Two, I feel like I don't belong there. I feel like I'm not smart enough to be there. I mean, I'm around a bunch of legal professionals. Um, A lot of them work at the place that I would like to work at after I'm done with my clerkship. And I just feel so out of place. I'm like, wow, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? I'm not smart enough to be here. Why do I even think I could have that job? Who am I? Um, You know, and just all this bad stuff about myself which in a regular state of being I don't think you know like I don't think bad things about myself I don't think I'm dumb um actually let me take that back (laughs) I you know as a woman in her 20s um almost early 30s I do acknowledge that sometimes I have a little bit of a dumb bitch 
uh, moment. Not going to lie. But generally speaking, I'm not dumb. Um, You know, and if anything, because I do want to clarify that just because someone has a degree does not make them smart. No shade, no tea to anyone. I'm just saying. Um, But I know that I'm not dumb in the very niche uh, interest that I have of the law. Like, I know that I'm not dumb when it comes to my job, even though sometimes I feel like it. You know, on a general day, I know that I'm capable for the job that I have. I'm, you know, I obviously graduated law school, so I know enough to, you know, graduate from accredited law school. Um, you know, like I'm not dumb, but imposter syndrome just makes you feel like you never learned anything in life and one day someone is going to expose you for the fraud that you are. (laughs) And I know I'm not a fraud, but you know, the mind is a tricky little thing. Let me tell you, the mind is tricky. The mind is tricky. And sometimes that's just how I feel. So that was really rough in that moment, navigating imposter syndrome, um, you know, at a networking event where a lot of people for a place you'd like to work someday are and you're just feeling so self-conscious already because your outfit or your hair or your nails or whatever you know just one of those days for me and then to top it off the imposter syndrome it was just a bit much not gonna lie but I say all that to say I did it <laughs> I talked to my three people I talked to more than three people I did feel hella awkward and I might even have said it to a few people that I felt awkward and that COVID turned me into a socially awkward person, but whatever, that's my truth. And one thing about me, everybody that knows me knows and anyone listening here needs to know is that I'm going to just be real about it. Like I'm going to be real about how I feel, if nothing else. (laughs) And I'd be lying if I didn't say later on, I wasn't, you know, second guessing things I said or if I felt like I came off weird. But at the end of the day, I was proud of myself for even going because like many times before, I could have just not went and... My boss would have made a bigger deal about it. Um, She would have made a bigger deal if she invited me to something else and I said no. But in that night, she would have, she was fine with me not going. Um, But yeah, that's just, it's interesting because, you know, I do, like I said earlier, deal with imposter syndrome sometimes at my job when I'm doing my, you know, job task. But generally, it's kind of like, I quickly remind myself, like, no girl, you belong in this job but for some reason that networking event just those feelings were super intensified I felt super unqualified like I what am I even doing here I don't know it was strange so once I reflected on the event and thought about it I realized that a lot of people deal with imposter syndrome I've had many conversations with friends while I was in law school who dealt with it, friends since we've graduated dealing with it, I deal with it, Um, and even people not in my field, even people in different fields deal with imposter syndrome. It's a thing, Um, obviously, because I was able to tell you the definition of it at the beginning of the episode. It's something that a lot of people deal with, and when I reflected on it, I just felt like I needed to talk about it on my podcast, you know handling your scandal sometimes that includes handling imposter syndrome and you know as I mentioned earlier I feel the higher that you get uh new level new devil is what I said you know 
the more I accomplish, the more I feel like imposter syndrome is going to pop up. And now that it has popped up in my post-grad life, I feel that I would be wrong if I didn't share how I do deal with imposter syndrome when it gets really bad. Um, So the rest of the episode, I'm just going to tell you a few quick tips for dealing with your imposter syndrome when it comes up. If it comes up, hopefully it doesn't. I'm trying to figure out a way to, you know, lessen the amount of times it pops up in my life, but I just feel like it's inevitable, at least for the foreseeable future. So I do want to give some tips on how I deal with it. First things first, number one is to just talk to someone about it. Um, I feel that sometimes when I experience imposter syndrome, I see it as like a personal, like, you know, it's just me. I'm the only person going through this. But really, a lot of people go through it. And even if the person you're talking to doesn't necessarily, um, you know, relate at that moment in time, they may have experienced it in the past. Um, so they can, you know, empathize with you there. Or they may just be able to, you know, reaffirm you of your greatness. When my friends try to tell me um, bad things about themselves, I'm the first person to, you know, give them a little bit of space to feel those feelings, but at the same time, remind them, like, no, homie, you're not any of those bad things you say about yourself. You're actually pretty much a genius, and I'm blessed to even call you my friend, honestly. Like, that is how I talk to people whenever my friends tell me bad things about themselves, So if anything, talking to your friend, one, can let you know that you're not the only person who is experiencing imposter syndrome or has ever experienced it, which we know generally, but sometimes when you're in your head, you kind of get detached from that reality of sorts. And then also number two, they can make you feel better and tell you all the wonderful things that maybe you forget about yourself and tell you how smart you are, how qualified you are, how amazing you are. Because as much as people, you know, you should want to be internally validated, sometimes it is good to be validated by others, especially your loved ones. Um, Hello, words of affirmation is a whole love language. So it does help sometimes when you're going through a little bit of a, you know, mental struggle of sorts with imposter syndrome. Number two is, I mean, obviously I mentioned external validation. So the next thing has to be internal validation, positive self-talk, affirmations, whatever it is that you need to do, you have to talk to yourself positively and um, affirm yourself on an individual level. Um, You know, like I said earlier, it is a mental struggle when it comes to imposter syndrome. So just attempting to you know, convince your brain and yourself of your greatness is going to help you with that. Um, You know, whether that's when you feel imposter syndrome creeping up, you repeat your affirmations. Um, Your affirmations are individual to yourself, but some that I generally keep in my back pocket for imposter syndrome are, I am competent and qualified. Um, Another one I say to myself is, I am deserving of the success I have achieved. Um, Just things like that that remind you that you 
one, are qualified, you... You know, I feel that, yes, luck is a thing, but ultimately, just generally speaking, for most people, and that's not to say that, you know, there aren't some people who exist on this planet who are not qualified for where they're at, but um, as for people who look like me or share some things in common with me, um, I generally do not end up places that I am not qualified to be. Um, if anything, uh, sometimes I feel like I have to really bust my ass to have a seat at the table, no matter what table that is. So for me, um, what do I say? Oh, uh, I remember in law school once I told someone, you know, these institutions weren't made for people who look like me to succeed. Um, they weren't made with me in mind. Um, there's actually maybe studies that say that it's quite the opposite, that they were, uh, so many things have come to be because they were trying to exclude people like me. So the fact that I'm here is because I have busted my ass and worked my ass off to be here. And that's something you got to remind yourself of too. You more than likely worked your ass off to be wherever it is that you are, especially if you are um, somewhere that requires a second degree from your bachelor's. I mean, even if you aren't, like even if you just have a bachelor's, Getting your bachelor's is also a big deal. Getting any type of degree, certificate, anything. People do not just get jobs because they show up and someone's like, oh, hello, please be in charge of this. No, you have to have some kind of skill set, usually, to be where you end up. So that in mind, you are qualified to be there. Um, My last thing, number three, since we're talking about, you know, having the skills having the qualifications to be somewhere. Number three is review your resume and your general wins. Nothing reminds me of how much I have done than reviewing my resume and all the things I have done that are on that resume. Um, Especially because, you know, my resume is shifted more towards my general legal experience because those are the types of jobs that I want. Um, but even reviewing your resume or reviewing, um, you know, awards you've won or opportunities that you've been blessed with or, you know, just general wins. Like I said, those things happen for you because you are qualified. People do not just win awards or, um, get positions generally unless they are deserving and qualified and have the skill set necessary to do the things. Okay. So that is actually usually where I start when it comes to imposter syndrome is reviewing my resume and all the things I've accomplished in the last um, seven to 10 years. You know, high school me would be so proud of me and all that I've done. And if you're listening to this, your high school, you would be proud of you too. 10 years ago, you probably did not even know you were capable of all the things you have achieved since then. So whenever you feel that you're not qualified or you don't have the skills, review your resume and your wins. And, you know, if you're a LinkedIn person, review that too. Okay, your endorsements, whatever. Me, um, I'm still a little late on the LinkedIn train, so I need to get it together. But um, I be looking at y'all's LinkedIn's, some of y'all, and y'all got it together and your endorsements and all the things. I'm like, wow, this person is amazing. Okay, so if you're a LinkedIn person, also review that. And just remind yourself that you're the shit, period. (laughs) you are the shit 
Um, you wouldn't be given all these opportunities if you weren't the shit. So just embrace it and tell yourself that you're the shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, just as a summary, whenever you feel like you're struggling with imposter syndrome, talk to your friends about it. Uh, practice some positive self-talk, affirmations, whatever have you. And review your resume or anything that reminds you of all the things you've accomplished, um, all the skills that you have, because I'm sure it's way more than your imposter syndrome brain gives you credit for. Um, I think I'm going to wrap this up here. Thank you all for listening. I hope that this episode is helpful for you. Maybe rewind back a bit and take notes if you didn't, because those three tips genuinely help me when I'm going through a little squabble with imposter syndrome. (laughs) Um, But yeah, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at handle your scandal pod. Follow me, your host on Instagram at musings of Mara. That's actually the same for Twitter and probably anything else where there's an at name. Um, And yeah, also read my blog, themusingsofmara.com. All these links and stuff will be in the show notes. Um, I think that's it for this week. Thank you again for tuning in. Have a great rest of your week and make sure to handle your scandal. Bye.